0: welcome back to mark's madness now part of chunkaluta i did that all by myself i'm not doing the episode all by myself prez is here hello uh, yeah <laughs> uh, but i'm not good at being you know the instrumental end end voice of a of a little jingle
1: yeah i can't help you there either <laughs> <laughs> i apologize to the listeners today's gonna be boring <laughs>
0: Um, but we'll go back to Mark's Madness. we, uh, we're, we read books. Um, Shigmanatu is not able to join us for this episode. should be back the next episode. Uh, we're going to continue on the path talking about Gramsci, which uh, has been broken up and, and pieced back together uh, with Gramsci, a Gramsci reader for us once again by Prez who joins us, um, which is fantastic that way we're not reading you know scattered prison letters about you know fart smells and stuff. Um, and we're gonna jump into this is Stuart Hall that we're gonna be jumping into today. Yeah,
1: this is the final th- a non-Gramsci thing. Um, the final, okay. And it's Stuart Hall. I okay. have every one of his selected works books, so I'm saving you guys from uh, else. <laughs> from diving so,
0: through the annals <laughs> of of Stuart Hall. Um, these are
1: these are the two core things I think to to properly seeing Gramsci.
0: Fantastic. Um, Yep. And and in the meantime, we always do, whenever it's possible, start with the current events, because initially when Mark's Madness started, I, I, I'm almost going to disclaim it right at the beginning now, when Mark's Madness started, me and Nathan, um, Nathan just asked me to read Capital. And uh, so we were reading along with it, providing context, much like a, a reading group. Right, that you would do in a party that you organize with, and when we we're doing that, current events would pop up, or we'd be talking about stuff, tying stuff back. In fact, one of our early villains was Elon Musk, and, and yeah, so. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I felt a mission to educate the world about that man in you know 2017, and lo and behold, now the world knows a little more about that. He's not just magical electric car inventor, um, <laughs> not the fucking Willy Wonka of lithium. But uh, the Willy Wonka of Emerald Mines. That's right. He's, he's, yeah, he's is the Emerald Mines is, is more like the Oompa Loompas. And yes, they that was a fucking racist part of that, that book and movie. And Roald Dahl is a fascist. But um, <laughs> wait, but,
1: yeah.
0: is he really? I I'm pretty damn sure I'd have to look back at it. But yeah, he has oh, boy. he has very good children's book that present as left wing or just run of the mill children's book with no political ideology. But he was, like, openly a a, a fucking fascist. And so, you know, the Oompa Loompa slipping in is not shocking.
1: Uh, Yeah, I just Googled it. Yeah. (laughs) Time.com, what to know about children's author Roald Dahl's controversial legacy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's always how they dress it up. Nice neutral language. Speaking of neutral language, uh, all of the New York, like, you know, fucking, this is where we're going the current events a little bit here. Um, all the new, Oh, I was going to say current events. We, we, we just started packing them at the beginning. That way, if stuff comes up with a reading, it still comes up with a reading. We're still tying back, but we're not like trying to make sure we talk about something important current. If it doesn't fit into the reading, that way it gets talked about and not forgotten back to current events. So, um, speaking of neutral language, (laughs) all of the New York media is doing its cop neutral language for a homeless man. Okay. Uh, a homeless man who was well known um, for doing Michael Jackson impressions and was suffering from mental health and and doing nothing more than like shouting in desperation that he needed food and water and, and things like that. Right. And so, you know, because of that and and Jordan Neely um, is, is the man, but Jordan Neely, you know, 30 young, younger than me, um, suffering and because he was shouting and everyone's so conditioned that violence is okay. Multiple people held him down, including there was a 24 a year old Marine who they didn't happen to, to name, but did mention is a 24 year old former Marine. So you get this contrast of, you know, criminalization um, is, you know, taught to be like evil in this country. And of course it's racialized and, and it's built class built in and things like that and then military and cops are are the ultimate good right and you don't need to add that context to each article because you've pushed it in so much that now you get to the dual thing you get to re up criminalization making people evil and military police you know being extra good by just using them as little like signals like I don't want to say dog whistle because it's not a hidden message, but like the, the, the signal, a little flashing light, like, hey, this person's good, this person's bad. And so you rip someone's character by criminalizing them and you inflate someone's character by naming, you know, that they were a cop or a Marine or whatever. And so you get to find out that a 24-year-old Marine with no name choked out a criminalized man who's been in and out of prison for things like fare evasion um, and all of the neutral language pulled was pulled in for this murder that I guess no one is even going after because the NYPD is just cheerleading him it is cheerleading the person who killed um, Jordan Neely so yeah, um, yeah and
1: the whole episode on New York City and the NYPD mm-hmm. and the MTA and it's just it's they're just horrible
0: oh yeah and and it's <laughs> And it, it's all—it's all for a state of control, you know. I mean, everybody knows making the subway free would be far cheaper than the cops they're pouring in there to fight fare evasion. That's not because of the money they're losing to fare evasion; it's oh. to up cops and up control and, and criminalize poverty.
1: Yeah, back back with Cuomo, he actually spent more money on cop overtime than we lost in fare evasion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it was yeah. like. $200 million in fair evasion and, like, $250 million in paying cops.
0: Yeah, um, but so, the, yeah, so the same way, like, you know, military spending can just keep going up, but then people can scream about budgets anytime they want to grease the skids for austerity, which you're seeing again. Now they're going to try to use the fact that the countries are coming off the U.S. dollar. Um, I forget the, tre- the Treasury Secretary what her name is, but she's already talking about the weakening of the dollar because of BRICS, which is is true, but that's going to be spun as, like, we need to make cuts. We need to, you know, it's 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 gonna be uh, the old austerity Reagan Thatcher style, like you know, tighten our, our belts and 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 you know, strap our shoes, our uh, oh, yeah. pull up our bootstraps and all that stuff.
1: Adam Adams is uh, mandating that each New York mm-hmm. City department cut a minimum of, I think, five percent of their budget, mm-hmm. um, and he wants to slash library funding almost completely but he just signed the largest uh, salary package with the NYPD in history. Yes. Um, And to bring it back to Stuart Hall, he wrote a whole thing called policing the crisis about how all of, all of the, the crime wave scares of the late sixties and seventies was used as the political lever to get he called it populist support, but mm-hmm. general public support that otherwise wouldn't support austerity to then and, support austerity.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the kind of propaganda we're, we're subject to all the time. And, and then you also see it like with NYPD, you know, the, we saw it just now with the, the anti-masking right over the last three years and, and how it's never that they're controlling you by forcing you back to work early to die of a disease because they don't care. They want their, their, you know, services back for the, 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 you know, management class. Um, but especially to, to get the workers back for, for the bourgeois or for the bourgeoisie. I got those words mixed up for some weird reason. (laughs) Um, but anyway, uh, you know they they wanted that back and now that's getting spun in and in, in New York where they're pushing like bodega owners to not just let masks be a choice or not require masks or whatever but require masks be taken off and it's openly for facial recognition yeah you know so things are getting bad in New York cuz they're getting bad everywhere um in another way they're getting bad everywhere. Unless, do you have any more to to say on on New York before I move on, press?
1: Oh, no, I could go on about New York for hours. I actually just <laughs> moved there, and I moved out of there, and I'm very happy for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so we can
1: we can move topics.
0: Great. Um, so something else that to turn to. Obviously, the 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 main thing is the rising you know attempts at genocide of trans people um this is something i i live in missouri i see you know very close to here and, and what's being pushed in, in the legislation we saw in i believe it was colorado um where there's it's uh zui i forget her last name zui zephyr um you know, she was kicked out of the session like they voted her out of the session because she was speaking up on how murderous the, the trans bills were. They were trans bills being passed at just accelerating rates around the country. They're coming after drag shows now. Uh, they are, are openly, you know, just trying to kill trans people and eradicate them from the public space and so this is a time that we really need to speaking of of buttoning down you don't need to to penny pinch and save and starve and die and let poor people have to die to to button up in tough times you need to stick together and and fight you know oppressive powers that's that's what you need to do to 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 button down and it is time to do it because things are are flying up through Congress and there is a, a website I've, I've been made familiar with that I wanted to share with everyone is translegislation.com uh, it's tracking all the anti-trans bills, the ones that passed, the ones that failed, the ones that are still in session. Uh, it's got, you know, different activities that are happening. If you, um, you know, drill down to the states um, so you can read more about the bills, you can read more about stuff like Title Nine, like stuff that's happening um, in case you want to take any action or, you know, get in contact with people. Um, so, yeah, that definitely recommend there as, as a great resource, but we need to be fighting these anti-trans bills. There's not much to say in them that hasn't been said in past weeks, but you know, just like, um, just like the, the, what's happening in Sudan and, and, you know, no investigation, no right to speak. We, we will get some more information on that situation right now. Just again, don't trust us media narratives on things. Um, but, you know, with this, just because we have nothing new to, to say, doesn't mean it should not be brought up because it is it is vital right now, and and we need to keep it on our minds. Um, and of course, it's for it, and they'll use children. They they even explicitly say parents' rights um, to kind of show you that it's not about children, but they use children as as this shield, as this talking point for fear mongering. Protect the children, protect the children, and it is out to harm children. And of course, at the same time, they are once again harming children in other ways. These same politicians are pushing for child labor laws and all of the media that uses all the neutral language on cops and carries water for all of the demonization of official US enemies um, and all of the whitewashing of, of revolutionary history to make it nice and, and neat for liberal audiences. All of that media um, is holding up the whole, you know worker shortage narrative. Never mind that, that millions of workers have died over COVID and COVID's still raging on. Never mind that it's actually just that there are too too few good jobs and all the jobs are too shitty. Never mind that all the things they're wanting to do to fix it, they're already doing. They're just trying to get public support to pass laws to make things more legal because when you do something illegal, you get arrested, you can have your entire life destroyed. When the ruling class does something illegal, they pay a little fine. and. Sometimes they get fed up with that, like, fraction of a penny of their wealth dare be encroached upon as they steal mass amount of wages or exploit the hell out of migrant children. And right now, the focus on that is child labor. Um... So yeah, I mean, what happens is, you know, migrant children get ripped away from their parents, right? This is a big part of immigration and border policy. Obviously, most undocumented immigrants are not people crossing the border, like Republicans like to the fearmonger. They're people that have lived here, applying for visas, green cards. It's a slow process. Things expire and run out, and then. The whole beauty of this dream act of Obama's, which was, was fought for and, and kind of makes a good half measure, is you're not deporting children, but you can still deport their parents away. And then sometimes, you know, whether they're separated from parents in these, you know, immigrant concentration camps or are farmed through, you know, human trafficking, you know, adoption, quote unquote, agency, or the parents are ripped away um, and deported these children then go into a guardianship. And so when parents' rights happen, these exploitative guardians, um, usually like bulk guard, like will, will you know take in lots and lots of these immigrant children at once, uh, then get to exploit them for labor. And when they get busted, it makes a news article. And because it's news written, someone's like, hey, that's really illegal because whistleblowers exist. Or they have to you know pay fines. And they don't want that public scrutiny or that fine paying. And so they grease the skids to making it legal. And when you make it legal, then you just get to turn the other cheek because they're not doing anything illegal. And that's the other big push by the same politicians. So for the actual good of, of the children of this country, we've got a couple fronts to be fighting like hell on right now. And we should not fall for even the tertiary na- narratives like worker shortages, we should call those out because that kind of propaganda is how you get liberals complacent enough where we understand the difference between liberals and socialists and then you know Republicans get to go do what they want, right? It's kind of like a, what what state house was it where they were doing like the the cha-cha slide or something in unity while Republicans were passing anti-trans bills which just happened the last couple well, days. Oh I, yeah! I it refuse
1: was... to believe that is real because it's going to send me down like a spiral. That okay, is... <laughs> we, will,
0: we will put it in a little box of we already know liberals are are worthless and move on for the sake of Prez's mental health. Then, um, but <laughs> that was a thing that happened. <laughs> oh god! Um, I think that's all I've got for for current events. Um, yeah. Other than like within that child labor specifically, there were ten year old children, you know, just found working up to two a.m. in a Louisville McDonald's, and obviously we understand the franchise structure of McDonald's and how, you know, small business owners and franchise owners are sometimes the biggest water carriers of reaction and fascism and exploitation because they get all the benefits of being in the in the bourgeoisie, um, but being there is kind of precarious and and I'm not talking like petty bourgeois where you just work for yourself I'm talking like true bourgeois not not petty but small quote unquote business owners not massive corporations and they want to make sure they they stay you know comforted and served and in the bourgeoisie and not get flung out and so they're intensely exploitative and that makes you know perfect sense with McDonald's franchise structure and of course those franchises don't happen and you know there isn't uh, bourgeoisie power in the first place without the massive corporation. So it's all one big class, as we've talked about since Marx, working together against people. It is property over people.
1: Gramsci and then Palancis, who you, everyone should read. You should do a thing on Palancis and have me back. But anyway, Gramsci and then Palancis expands on this, writes about how there's different factions in the bourgeoisie, And each faction is essentially trying to manage its own. And then fascism, the argument is that fascism is the domination of large capital over small capital. Um, So we'll get into that later. Okay,
0: good, 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 good. because that European, like traditional known as fascism in the 40s, was seen firsthand by by Gramsci, and so this that'll be some pretty important insight, especially considering the battles that are bubbling up for all of us.
1: Yeah, and the Minion is doing a fascism series, so if you want to do a deep dive into that, we're releasing one with uh, Anti-Japanism Podcast, who is also awesome, and you should check out. Um, but it's going to be a whole series of different countries and, and everything, so... Nice, nice. We'll go deep into that.
0: Good, good. Well, that's a good recommendation there. And with that, why don't we get into the reading? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not about Uh, fascism at all.
0: Not about fascism at all. Um, So this is going to be, it's chapter one of um, whatever Stuart Hall work you got this out of, Prez. Selective
1: Works of Race and Difference, I believe.
0: Okay. Well, it starts with chapter one, Gramsci's Relevance for the Study of Race and Ethnicity. Um, So obviously how that Tyson, is going to be pretty obvious. Uh, The aim of this collection of essays is to facilitate a more sophisticated examination of the hitherto poorly elucidated phenomenon of racism and to examine the adequacy of the theoretical formulations, paradigms, and interpretive schemes of the social and human sciences with respect to intolerance and racism and in relation to the complexity of problems they pose. This general rubric enables me to situate a more, preci- more precisely the kind of contribution to which a study of Gramsci's work can make to the larger enterprise. In my view, Gramsci's work does not offer general social science, which can be applied to the analysis of social phenomenon across wide comparative range of historic studies. His potential contribution is more limited. It remi- remains, that, for all that, of seminal importance. His work is precisely a sophisticating kind. He works and "sophisticating" is in quotes. Um, so I'm not actually sure what's being implied there, but we'll find out as go on the paragraph.
1: He's just implying that Gramsci is about, uh, extending Marx's like deep material analysis of stuff to understand it rather than provide a general framework of things.
0: Ah, okay. Um, He works broadly within the Marxist paradigm, however he has extensively revised, renovated, and sophisticated many aspects of the theoretical framework to to make it more relevant to contemporary social relations in the 20th century. His work, therefore, has a direct bearing on the question of adequacy. Of existing social theories, since it is precisely in the direction of complexifying existing theories and problems that his most important theoretical contribution is to be found. These points require further clarification before a substantive resume and assessment of Gramsci's theoretical contribution can be offered. And that's something we've talked about kind of the entire time, right? Is oftentimes um, you get people that, especially when they they like cite. Marxist work, like it's some kind of Bible verse, but even outside of that, um, and 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 we know, you know, the Potsies are, are especially notorious for that, any LaRoucheites, anything like that, but you know, when you stick too hard to the work and you don't allow it to adapt, because it, it must be true, it must be true, um, versus when you're looking at Marxism, like, you know, Marx isn't going to give us particular insight of like, 2023 racism in the United States, but we should be able to understand 2023 racism in the United States against a background of tools that Marx gave us, um, specifically dialectical materialism uh, with that. And so the same thing with Gramsci here, right? Gramsci is going to help us understand what things looked like head on with, you know, fascism proper in the, the 1930s and 40s. Um, from inside Italy as a communist fighting it. And obviously that's going to allow us to understand how to break down Marx and adapt Marx for our time and give us some concepts that apply a little bit in modernizing Marx. But it's not going to be like, this is how you modernize Marx, and this applies the same way as dialectical materialism, right?
1: I'm just going to repeat the quote from the last paper we read of Stuart Mm -hmm. Hall. We can't pluck up the Sardinian from his, specific and from his specific and unique political formation, beam him down at the end of the 20th century, and ask him to solve our problems for us.
0: Yep, that's, that's exactly it. Um, so, Gramsci was not a general theorist. Indeed, he did not practice as an academic or scholarly theorist of any kind. From beginning to end he was and remained a political intellectual and a socialist activist on the italian political scene his theoretical writing was developed out of this more organic engagement with his own society and times and was always intended to serve not an abstract academic purpose but the aim of informing political practice it is therefore essential not to mistake the level of application at which gramsci's concepts operate He saw himself as principally working within the broad parameters of historical materialism, as outlined by the tradition of Marxist scholarship defined by the work of Marx and Engels, and in the early decades of the 20th century by such figures as Lenin, Luxembourg, Trotsky, Labriola, Tagliati, etc., I cite those names to indicate Gramsci's frame of reference within Marxist thought, not his precise position in relation to those particular figures. To establish the latter is a more complicated issue. Um, This means that his historical contribution has always to be read with an understanding that it is operating on broadly Marxist terrain. That is to say, Marxism provides the general limits with which Gramsci's developments, refinements, revisions, advances, further thoughts, new concepts, and original formulations all operate. However, Gramsci was never a Marxist in either a doctrinal, orthodox, or religious sense. And religious again in quotes, but we just talked a little bit about how that can come about. Um... He understood that the general framework of Marx's theory had to be constantly developed theoretically, applied to new historical conditions, related to developments in society which Marx and Engels could not possibly have foreseen, and expanded and refined by the addition of new concepts." Gramsci's work thus represents neither a footnote to the already completed edifice of orthodox Marxism, nor a ritual evocation of orthodoxy which is circular in the same sense of producing truths which are already well known. Gramsci practices a genuinely open Marxism. It develops many of the insights of Marxist theory in the direction of new questions and conditions. Above all, his work brings into play concepts which classical Marxism did not provide, but without which Marxist theory cannot adequately explain the complex social phenomenon which we encounter in the modern world. It is essential to understand that these points if we are to situate Gramsci's work against a background of existing theoretical formulations, paradigms, and interpretive schemes in the social and human sciences. All of that last part is in quotes. Is that referencing a specific quote? Do we know? I don't see any footnotes.
1: I believe he's just quoting from from a section. Ah, okay. I, I don't uh, have re- uh, pure recollection of Gramsci's work, but I'm pretty sure it's from. <laughs> How dare of his you show. not memorize
0: <laughs> all of it?
1: <laughs> one day,
0: one day. All what is it? Thirty-two notebooks or something?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, Gramsci when we're going to get into it he'll cite some like random ass footnote from the uh i mean we call it the grundrisse but like from the 18th brumaire of napoleon bonaparte and like, oh my goodness in the middle of prison so like, <laughs> <laughs> it's possible
0: yeah i guess well, that is some serious mind <clears throat> mind power um not only is Gramsci's work not a general work of social science, of the status of, say, the work of such founding fathers as Max Weber or Emily Durkheim, it, does also, it also does not anywhere appear in that recognizable general synthesizing form the main body of Gramsci's theoretical ideas are scattered throughout his occasional essays and polemic writing. He was an active and prolific political journalist and, of course, in the great collection of prison notebooks, which Gramsci wrote without benefit of access to libraries or other reference books, either during his enforced leisure in Mussolini's prison after his arrest or after his release, but he was always already terminally ill. Um, And before moving on, first off, that is kind of a funny, weird... Uh, shut up and let the book read. That just happened. Uh, where we were talking about Gramsci's recollection, and then that just happened without libraries. But uh, Max Weber and Emily Durkheim.
1: Do you want the background of them?
0: Like, like, just, just, just quick one sentence blurb. Okay So, who,
1: so who Weber they? and Weber and Durkheim are uh, known as one of the quote unquote founders of sociology.
0: Uh, oh, okay.
1: Durkheim is actually really boring and kind of stupid. Uh, Weber <laughs> is much more important. He actually wrote the constitution for German Weimar Republic. Oh. And his entire theoretical career has been two things. One's just a pet peeve, but his main goal is to disprove Marx. And in doing so, he's the one who created the idea of um, class being linked to income and not Position to capital, so he's the okay. asshole that came up with the like middle class makes over a hundred thousand dollars, upper class makes over five hundred. That that's him.
0: Nice. <laughs> and so it, it was spelled like Weber with one B, but it's Weber, Max Weber.
1: Yeah, he's German. Germany, the in German, the, the Ws are Vs.
0: V, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, Max Weber. Remember that, folks, next time someone tries to give you some class bullshit, be like, why are you so obsessed with Max Like, Act like people do. Like, you know, why are you always quoting Marx? Don't you think it's your own? Or whatever. Like, do that shit with Weber.
1: Oh, um, and and if anyone ever tells you something, like, something, something, elites, mm. make sure to mention that an Italian fascist theorist from the 19... like. 15s invented the term
0: uh, <laughs> oh i see i see is that is that uh, uh who's that that did that
1: i, I forget the name it's oh, in okay. it's in one of one of my books uh the, some guy named uh oh fuck what's his name <laughs> Ishe Landa. uh he has two books on the theoretical background of fascism and, and it's really good uh, nice but yeah, that, that was an Italian fascist who came up with the idea of elites, and he was like, We're the elites of society, and that's a good thing. So,
0: oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so there you go. Um, and, uh, yeah, so with that, good book recommendation. And once again, you have failed to be Gramsci and re- recall everything off the top of your head. I'm sorry, uh, Gramsci. <laughs> uh, I failed you. Uh, this fragmentary body of writing, including the notebooks, the Quaderni del Carcere is that I, I'm assuming that's that's uh, uh, Carcere meaning prison and that yeah
1: that's Italian
0: okay um is mainly to be found now in the Instituto Gramsci in Rome I hope I'm pronouncing half of these like somewhat well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's Italian. Who really cares?
0: Um, <laughs> I know, but it's a ridiculously phonetic language, and I'm just not yeah. familiar with the rules, so I feel dumb bumbling on it because it's that phonetic, but whatever. <laughs> most most of the time, anything else phonetic is phonetic with a completely different alphabet, you know? <laughs> and then there's English, which, fuck everyone that tries to speak English, because oh, yeah, the, wow. whole, the whole language is designed to kick our ass. I, I hate it. Um, <laughs> and I mean, like, not like down with everyone that speaks English, although, you know, I mean, we have our own chick coming. I, I meant, like, fuck that language. <laughs> that language is telling us, screw ourselves. Um, anyway, it's mainly to be found now in the Institute of Gramsci in Rome, where a definitive critical edition of his work is still in the course of completion for publication.
1: There's a Not footnote on... footnote oh. two there, and the footnote, it says, like, they're in the process of translating, like, all of it, and... Oh. There's unfortunately no release date. Uh, oh well, that but kind of you really can sounds, go. But... You can go visit Gramsci's grave. It's actually really nice. It's in Rome. It's a cat sanctuary, actually, so you you can see like a cat hanging out on his uh, gravestone, which really? definitely did not happen to me when when I went to visit the grave and pay my respects.
0: <laughs> so Antonio Gramsci, ultimate cat person. Uh, <laughs> Not only are the writings scattered, they are often fragmentary in form rather than sustained and finished pieces of writing. Gramsci was often writing, as in the prison notebooks, under the most unfavorable circumstances. For example, under the watchful eye of the prison censor and without any other books from which to refresh his memory. Given these circumstances, the notebooks represent a remarkable intellectual feat. Nevertheless, the cost of having to produce them in this way, of never being able to go back to them with time for critical reflection, was considerable. And we need to think about that as we reflect on the work. Um, The notebooks are what they say, notes, shorter or more extended, but not woven in sustained discourse or coherent text. Some of his most complex arguments are displaced from the main text into long footnotes. Some passages have been reformulated, but with little guidance as to uh, which of the extant versions Gramsci regarded as the more definitive text. I am glad Gramsci has not taken up the role that Marx has with people quoting him at will to say things, because holy God, that sounds like that could get messy.
1: Oh yeah, He, he also would cross out certain words or add words later so like the one the one really good translation is unfortunately pete buddhage's dad um and he even like puts things in the translation of like i'm guessing here (laughs) wow uh because it's just a clusterfuck
0: jeez As if these aspects of fragmentariness do not present us with formidable enough difficulties, Gramsci's work may appear fragmentary in another, even deeper sense. He was constantly using theory to illuminate concrete historical cases or political questions, or thinking large concepts in terms of their application to concrete and specific situations. Consequently, Gramsci's work often appears almost too concrete, too historically specific, too delimited in its references, too descriptively analytic, too time and context bound. His most illuminating ideas and formulations are typically of the conjunctural kind. To make more general use of them, they have to be delicately disinserted from their concrete and specific historical embeddedness and transplanted into new soil with considerable care and patience. That's a wonderful analogy, by the way. That's just so nice. Uh, Do you want to take over some reading for a second press?
1: Yeah. Some critics have assumed that Gramsci's concepts operate at this level of concreteness only because he did not have the time or inclination to raise them to a higher level of conceptual generality, the exalted level at which theoretical ideas are supposed to function. Uh, Just a side note, he actually did want to write a book, but then he, uh, He went to jail and then got sick and everything. Um, But yeah, anyway, thus both Althusser and Palancis have proposed at different times, quote unquote, theorizing Gramsci's insufficiently theorized texts. This view seems to me mistaken. Here it is essential to understand from the epistemological viewpoint that that concepts can operate at very different levels of, of abstraction and are often consciously intended to do so. The important point is not to quote unquote misread one level of abstraction for another. We expose ourselves to serious error when we attempt to quote unquote read off concepts which were designed to operate at a high level of abstraction as if they automatically produce the same theoretical effects when translated to another, more concrete, quote-unquote, lower level of operation. In general, Gramsci's concepts were quite explicitly designed to operate at the lower levels of historical concreteness. He was not aiming for higher and missing his theoretical target. Rather, we have to understand this level of historical concrete descriptiveness in terms of Gramsci's relation to Marxism
0: and I, I do want to just clarify too because we were talking about you know um from an epistemological viewpoint because this section is you know Stuart Hall's point of view and so just in case people are not familiar with um you know epistemology it's 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 kind of like a chunk of philosophy where things are based on 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 their context right it's 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 making sure things are are surrounded or digested in their context is the the way I've always had it described to me. Um, So, you know, we're trying to, trying to keep, you know, the scene in the story, so to say.
1: There's a whole thing about the Polantis Althusser interpretation of Marx, of Marx, but also interpretation of Gramsci that we can go over a different time uh, that he's referencing. Where was I? Oh, I was at the end of the paragraph. Gramsci remained a quote-unquote Marxist, as I have said, in the sense that he developed his ideas within the general framework of Marx's theory. That is, taking for granted concepts like, quote-unquote, the capitalist mode of production, the, quote, forces and relations of production, quote, etc. These concepts were pitched by Marx at the most general level of abstraction. That is to say, they are concepts which enable us to grasp and understand the broad processes which organize and structure the capitalist mode of production, when reduced to its bare essentials, and at any stage or moment of its historical development. The concepts are epochal in their range and reference. However, Gramsci understood that as soon as these concepts have to be applied to specific historical social formations, the particular societies at specific stages in the development of capitalism, the theorist is required to move from the level of, quote, mode of production, unquote, to a a lower, more concrete level of application. This move requires not simply more detailed historical specification, but, as Marx himself argued, the application of new concepts and further levels of determination in addition to those pertaining to simple exploitative relations between capital and labor, since the latter serve to, to specify the capitalist mode of production only at the highest level of reference. Marx himself, in his most elaborated methodological text and then parentheses in his introduction his 1857 introduction to the Grundrisse, close parentheses, uh, inv- envisaged the quote, production of the concrete in thought, unquote, as taking place through a succession of analytical approximations, each adding further levels of determination to the necessary, to the necessarily skeletal and abstract concepts formed at the highest level of level of analytic abstraction. Marx argued that we only that we could only think sorry Marx argued that we could only quote think the concrete unquote through these successful successive levels of abstraction that was because the concrete in reality consisted of quote many determinations unquote which of course The levels of abstraction we use to think about it must be with it. Think about it with must be approximate in thought (laughs) Uh, parentheses on these questions of Marxist epistemology. See my work quote Marx's notes on method unquote from working papers and cultural studies. Uh, This is actually very good work. If anyone's interested in it, I have the PDF. So just, just let us know. Or I could also just, we could post
0: it later. Um, yeah, we can put it in the show notes. I uh, yeah. just need to remember to do so. so.
1: Uh, I'll have to find it. Um, okay. That is why as Gramsci moves from the general terrain of Marx's mature concepts as outlined, for example, in capital to specific historical conjunctures, he can still continue to quote, work within unquote, their field of reference. But when he turns to discuss in detail, say, the Italian political situation in the 1930s, or changes in the complexity of the class class democracies of, quote, unquote, the West after imperialism and the advent of mass democracy, or the specific differences between, quote, Eastern and, quote, Western social formations in Europe, or the type of politics capable of resisting the emerging forces of fascism, or the new forms of politics set in motion by developments in the modern capitalist state, he understands the necessity to adapt, develop, and supplement Marx's concepts with new and original ones. First, because Marx concentrated on developing his ideas at the highest level of application, as in capital, rather than at the more concrete historical level. For example, there is no real analysis in in Marx of the specific structures of British 19th century state, though there are many suggestive insights. Second, because the historical conditions for which Gramsci was writing were not the same as those in and for which Marx had written, in parentheses, Gramsci had an acute sense of the historical conditions of theoretical production, close parentheses. because Gramsci felt the need for new conceptualizations at precisely the levels at which Marx's theoretical work was itself at its most sketchy and incomplete. That is, the levels of, ana- of the analysis of specific historical conjectures, conjunctures, or of the political and ideological aspects, the much neglected dimensions of the analysis of social formations in classical Marxism. So this, is, this right here is referencing that Marx may have mentioned the base and the superstructure, um, which Lenin built off of, but there wasn't much elaboration from Marx. He was busy with other stuff.
0: Yeah, they, they, I mean, even understanding the base and the superstructure is something you pull together from like four to five to six sources of Marx. And over the years has basically just kind of been passed on by Marxists as, as something people have figured out. And and we've wrestled with it a little bit here with, you know, the base is capitalism, but also the base of capitalism is colonialism and racism comes off the same way and imperialism comes from capitalism, but it's all tied into colonialism. So, you know, the base, is it, you know, is it expansive to that? Is it specific to capitalism? How do you express that without expressing colonialism um, while also realizing that the base and superstructure is You know, largely a a very good concept to understand historical materialism that has been used effectively for people to, you know, better understand history from a revolutionary sense. It's a contradiction about Marx. Who loved contradictions? (laughs) It's all meta.
1: We're going to see in Gramsci how he reconciles that.
0: Ooh, that's
1: exciting. Okay. These points help us not simply to place Gramsci in relation to the Marxist tradition, but to make explicit the level at which Gramsci's work positively operates and the transformations, the shift in the level of magnification required. It is to the generation of new concepts, ideas, and paradigms pertaining to the analysis of political and ideological aspects of social formations in the period after 1870 especially that Gramsci's work most pertinently relates. Now that, Not that he ever forgot or neglected the critical element of the economic foundations of society and its relations, but he contributed relatively little by ways of original formulations of that level of analysis. This is how a lot of Gramsci just gets uh, siloed into... Being post-colonialist or just being about cultural studies, people just yeah remove his economic analysis. Um, however, in the much in the much neglected areas of conjunctural analysis, politics, ideology, and the state, the character of different types of political regimes, the importance of cultural and national popular questions. And the role of civil society and the shifting balance of relations between different social forces in society, on these issues, Gramsci has an enormous amount to contribute.
0: And, in, and I'm gonna. I know. I know it's mid paragraph, but I've actually looked at the other paragraphs. I think that's our best stopping spot for today. Okay. Yeah, because I think that last sentence um, stops us really well. You know, in in. Yeah. Because I think it lays it out really well, right? You have the importance of you know cultural and natural, national, popular questions, the role of civil society, and the shifting balance of relations between uh, social forces on these issues. Graham should give us a lot, you know. How does and this is what we just talked about, you know? How does colonialism fit into capitalism? How does you know, police brutality specifically, you know, and, and the the upping of, you know, however we drill down, right? Like how are we going to scale down to police brutality and, and the growing, you know, militarization of police, you know, versus racism versus colonialism, you know, I mean all, all this different different scale. That's where that idea of focusing on the specific of Gramsci is going to be helpful to us. And that's why I want to stop there. Okay. Okay. Um, so with that, this has been Mark's Madness. We read books. Uh, there's a number of different ways you can get a hold of us. Um, since we are part of Chunkaluta, uh, you can get a hold of Chunkaluta or too directly. Uh, it's on Twitter, it's at Bands Island or at Chunkaluta1973. Uh, same thing, both of those at gmail.com for email. Um, there is also a Bands Island Patreon. Um, Obviously, you know, much-needed support. Uh, shooting Money 2 is, is very good about either directing that to what's needed for uh, organizing Chunkaluta or very often specific causes. For the Marks Madness side, uh, Pod at gmail.com or at MarksMadness on Twitter. Uh, DMs are open. I haven't actually seen anyone DM in there in quite a while, and I don't use that account very actively. But it's out there, and you're welcome to DM it. Um, and... Um, I don't have all of shigmani Money Two's plugs right now for fundraisers. We'll get that back next episode. Uh, anything you want to plug or or contact info you want to put out there, prez? Uh,
1: we're over here at Minion Pod. I'm also. Uh, I, I think my Twitter handle is MarxyMarx. Uh, I, I don't remember any see. Yeah, marxymarx Two. If you want to come bother me, uh, but Minion Pod for for the podcast and uh, anti-Japanism. If you want to. Hear more about that. Uh, those are my plex.
0: Great. Um, so, with that, um, you know, disclaimer I kind of I've mentioned at the beginning the, the way I want to expand on that is Nathan came to me to read Capital. Obviously, you want to read works of theory or history in a group so you can get different perspectives and i know you know a couple of white guys not the most diverse perspectives but at least it's two different people you know breaking down the ideas with you in any group there can be more diverse ideas especially now you know with this being part of chungaluta and chungmanitu being in here we get that indigenous perspective um and now you know we get some Granchi expertise in here so this all helps the health of that reading group and so ever since then what we wanted to do is hopefully you know you listeners out there you're in your party you're in your organization you're in your reading or political education group and you're reading these works along with us in this case you know this is a reader put together by prez but um we're making publicly available or we have i believe we did that through um is that through discord or are we doing that through the show notes i have no idea it's a giant pdf it's a big Um, pdf shimani too will guide you correctly when when they're back (laughs) Mm -hmm. um You know, but but we're going to make this available to you. So hopefully, you know, you're reading this along with it. um, And hopefully we can be, you know, other voices, other sources of input in that reading group and another chance to refresh it and get it deeper in your memory, um, what you've learned from from reading and what what applies to you. Uh, Let's say that's not happening and you're reading this on your own. Again, hopefully we can be that reading group. We can give you that refresher. We can give you that chance to get other perspectives and, and just feel, you know, get the work in a little better and understand it and break it down a little better um, because that helps an immense amount versus just reading the books and 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 not having discussion. And let's say that's not happening. It's either something like this where we're reading an assembled reader. It's something where we take a book and we read it word for word like an enhanced ebook or it's something where we summarize work like what we did back in, in Capital and, and Imperialism. Uh, whatever we can do to make these works more accessible to you because without these works uh, or I'm sorry, whatever we can do to make these works more accessible to you because we want you to go out there and take action. Okay. We want to do the community support. We want you to fight for trans rights to, you know, protect and, and feed uh, homeless and houseless, you know, relatives. Um, we want you out there doing these actions and these actions when guided by theory in this revolutionary action is something called praxis. Praxis without theory, of course, definitionally can't exist. And theory without praxis is completely useless. They go hand in hand. They are tied at the hip. I shouldn't say completely useless, but the, the, Purpose of theory is is the action. Um,
1: Yeah, go get yourself arrested and then write write your own prison notebooks.
0: Um so uh with that, this has been Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. My name's David.
1: I am Prez.
0: And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.